Hi, welcome into the second episode of the Production Line podcast. As always, uh, this is Garth Wickham, and alongside me is Grant Wickham. Andy is currently at work right now, and he's kind of swamped, so he might join in later, but this is just just the brothers today. How you doing? Good. Not too bad yourself? Uh, not too bad. I had a... Uh, I went... We had a cookout last night at uh, Emma's parent or Emma's parents' sister's house, and that was kind of fun. But other than that, we didn't really do too much. Um, yeah, early morning recording. Not early morning. It's like 10.30, but I yeah, still feel yeah, sluggish. I'm going to roll out of bed for this. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm excited. I can see the... Which, which sign is that behind you? Is that the Datsuk one? Yeah. Yeah, I got the I got the Lidstrom one in the background. It's hanging up, but can't really see it that well. So I kind of want to start this off by saying I was completely wrong on the 2019 draft last episode. Good God, was I off. I said like seven players had played, and it was like 20-some for the most cider argument. So I wanted to say my reasoning I thought was so – I was like kind of talking about like the top of the draft a little bit. Like you still have guys like Alex Turcotte and uh, Matt Boldy that haven't really made their debuts at all. And – um so it's kind of like what my reasoning was. Like, it's just not like a reach when you look at it from the top guys. But, like, those teams aren't rushing their prospects like Detroit is. So it's just kind of interesting that, like, when you look back on it, <laughs> I was way off. But it's okay, Yeah, My thoughts were in the right place. Just I was off on the number by quite a bit. Yeah, and you got those prospects like Cider, Turcotte, and Boldy that are going to be very good once they do break into the NHL. So. Oh, 100%. So we got some we got some interesting news coming from the NHL. Uh, was it two three days ago, on the fact that the uh, the NHLPA and the NHL and the IIHF finally agreed on the Olympics, go players going over and playing. They figured out the insurances with COVID and everything. I just wanted to think. What, what are your thoughts on it? I love it. I don't think the Olympics for hockey is right without NHL players. It's the best talent in the world, and I don't know. Just kind of sucks to watch without them to be honest yeah honestly like like in 2018 when they sent like just the ahlers over players that weren't on nhl deals it was kind of a joke it's unfortunate because then like i i get the fact that like you already have the best talent in the nhl but it's for these players it means so much to them to be able to play for their countries and with and try to win a gold medal like the olympics are such a huge deal yeah they're throughout the world culturally so it's really awesome that they were able to figure it out um, there should be plenty of Red Wing representation. Yeah, I I agree. We have a lot of names that will probably be on their own country's teams. It's pretty exciting. Uh, like, do you want to go? Okay, you want to go through them? Yeah. Uh, Germany, they should have Mo Sider and probably Thomas Christ. I don't. I don't see. Yeah, Thomas Christ probably honestly might be the star. Oh, uh, he'll be back up because Philip Grubauer from yeah. uh, from now Seattle. Um, but yeah, Mo Sider will probably be the top defenseman. They don't have Dennis Seidenberg anymore, you know, holding anchoring it down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and Cor- then, or Corbinian Holzer. He could probably play for Germany as well. Yeah, he'll probably be on the team. He was on the IHF World Championships team. Right. Mo. Right. Um uh, jump into the Czech. That one should be fun. Our probably our fa- our favorite team going in. Yes. We will have Zadina, Horonic, and Verana. Yes. Yeah. Is there someone That's, else? Missing? I felt like there's someone else there's missing, but like no, not really. For check. No, no. Yeah, never mind. I was wrong. But yeah, no, that one will be the Red Wings probably be paying most attention to that one soon enough. Like 
four or five years, we'll be paying attention to Sweden with the amount yep. of prospects we're having. But like right now, it's Czech. Yeah. And then um, Switzerland will probably have Pugh Suter. Yep. Filling in because Switzerland's not a very strong team, so he'll probably be playing pretty meaningful minutes. Honestly. I agree. Switzerland. Um, then you go to the U.S. And you probably have Dylan Larkin for probably I'd say probably a lock, but you know obviously depending if they go a different way, I could see he's probably gonna be a fourth line guy, so it depends on how they're gonna look at it. But then you have Alex Nedeljkovic that could be fighting for that third goalie spot with like Thatcher Demko. Yeah, that could be interesting. Another guy maybe like I probably don't see it happening, but like Nick Letty could probably deserves like a bit of a shout out for the U.S. Uh, I highly doubt it. Our I know. Team, I'm, not, I'm not saying. I'm not, I'm not saying he does make it. I'm just saying he probably like will get some consideration from like the committee deciding on it. Maybe I just think U.S.'s defensive depth is so deep. Not that I agree that Stan Bowman's making these decisions, but whatever. Oh, that's a different <laughs> topic. But yeah. I think that's a joke. Um. Yeah. No. And I think it's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Russia, you have the possibility of Nemestikov too. Oh yeah, I've totally forgot. Whether, about it. Yeah, whether or not he's on the Red Wings at the deadline, but uh, yeah, he should make Russia as like a third or fourth liner, probably a fourth liner, but yeah, maybe a I, scratch. I was like looking at voting and stuff, and I was like, yeah, he probably honestly will make it. I don't see how he doesn't. Yeah, considering like the talent and whatnot. I know people were putting like Kovalchuk on, but I mean, he's just ancient at this point; he can barely skate. Russia's really topsided, in my opinion. Uh, their like, defense actually didn't look that bad. Like Provorov, Sergachev, you have Zadorov, who's okay. Um, who else was I missing? I was just I literally just looking at this. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, yes. I know he's not great, but, like, they're not, like, that <laughs> awful on defense. Like, they okay. use, like, years past. Like, you know, I know years past you'd have – Alexia like, Emelin's your top defenseman. Yeah, then you're just – you're hoping – you're hoping. But, like, you have Sergachev and Provorov are two pretty big workout horses, and they should be okay. Goaltending. Did you say Orlov? Oh, that's the other guy I was thinking of is Orlov. He's pretty solid. Yeah, he's not bad. He's really dumb defensively, but offensive upside is all there. (laughs) Yeah, but so, like, you go like that, and, like, goaltending is their biggest strength. Yeah. They might have the best goaltending, and they might have the best goaltending. Well, who's going to be in net for them? It's going to be Vassy, and then who do you back up? Shesterkin. And um, Sorokin? Or, like, Barlamov? Barlamov was the guy I'm thinking of. Barlamov, you go for a second, and then Shusterkin probably is your third. But you could go like you could go Bob as your third. You could go Sorokin. Yeah, they have crazy depth. Yeah, it's insane. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited. It's gonna suck though because it's in China, so it's gonna be the fact of trying to catch games and whatnot. But I'll try my best for a lot of them because it's gonna be yeah, like a lot of suck. three, three, four a.m. games. But that sucks. All pos- all positives in my mind. I think it's yeah. I think it's nothing but a good thing for you know marketing wise to put the NHL on you know the big the big stage, but yeah I I personally like it. It's gonna be good. Um, I agree. So this episode's gonna be kind of based around the off season. Um, we'll do a little draft review, prospects we picked, um, their potential, where we, where they'll play next year, um, and then our pool evaluation along with our off season review signings we've made, et cetera. Um, so starting with the draft, we had eight picks in the draft. I want to say we had eight, right? Picked eight players. We had at six overall, we had Sebastian. Oh my God. I almost said Kosa. 
Uh, sixth overall, we had Simon Edvinson, who is a now a six foot six defenseman out of Forlunda of the SHL, and loads of potential. Just needs to figure out how to put it all together in, in his head for passing and making offensive plays. But actually, pretty solid in his own end. Yeah, I mean, I I, wanna... I've watched a decent amount of Edvinson just um, what, catching the early SHL games because I, I don't know, I just like watching the SHL. Uh, very smart with the puck in his own zone. I just a, such a smooth skater. Love watching him skate with the puck. He's just uh, a majestic giraffe almost. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but, no, no, I got what you mean. I, yeah, it's just interesting. It's for being so big, you would think he's not that good of a skater, but he's honestly no. very smooth with his skating. It's pretty awesome. Very, um, very pleased watching him. Yeah. So that was a – at the time, I wasn't too thrilled about it considering we left William Eklund off the board. And um, I was – yeah, I, I, was, I was a little weary about his decision-making when I've seen him do at like the U18s and stuff. But he was also playing on a, a Sweden team that didn't play very well. Um, no. But now watching, I definitely – definitely the, the name of this draft was Big Swings. Which, which, with the Red Wings lottery luck, picking the all the Red all the Eisman drafts, we pick sixth, fourth, and sixth. And with that, you really don't. It's really hard to get elite talent at the at those positions. So you really have to you have to find these diamonds in the rough, and you kind of have to take their take your swings on them. Moritz Sider was who was ranked 18th overall, like by like consensus, had very good defensive abilities, but like his question was offense. And now he started to put it together and now he's looking like a player that should have been picked that high. You have to take those swings. Lucas Raymond was kind of his, his all potential, but you could, you could see the potential, but also like people were weary that like he didn't put the production up in the SHL his first year, he had 10 points in 33 games. Um, but then you look at Simon Edvinson and he bounced around league to league everyone will tell you he's a great skater and really like kind of, he's pretty solid defensively, but sometimes he makes, he doesn't know what he's doing with the puck. So you got to look at like those, those market like inefficiency scouting wise and players who people who value him less. And if you really think you can work with this player, like in the development program, like our development team, like with Cronwall, Horkoff, et cetera, and really going to hone him in, he could be a top two defenseman pretty easily. No, I completely agree with that. He's, very talented, and he's playing big minutes this year in Frolunda and looks as if he's playing with ex-NHLer Christian Follin for – they would like to start him there for yeah, the start of the season. Yeah, he's been solidly – he's been in the first pair of the entire uh, Champions League. Yeah. And then preseason, I think he was too, right? I think. Yes, he was. Okay. So it looks like he's going to – they plan to play him there, which is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nothing would – Right now, like I'm, um, I guess I should probably probably should have started with like, what do you think of like if you were to like grade the draft class from 2021, what would you give it like a letter grade? For ours, yes. Um, think about that. Uh, probably around. There was a couple picks in between that I wasn't crazy about. I would probably give it. A, I think. Probably B plus. Okay. Yeah, I, it's right around. I I think probably a solid B, considering like, um, 
I know you always pick for teams. You should be picking their what you think in your mind is the best player available. I just had question marks on some of them. Two. Mostly two two of them. The sec, our our second round pick and our third round pick. My biggest Those question were marks. Mine too, but but otherwise, I thought they did very well considering like the swings on potential. Even the second round pick we'll get into in a little bit, but. You gotta, yeah. If you think they're the best player, you gotta take them. If you're the Red Wings, and I agree, you gotta take your guy. And they they did. They traded up twice. The first time being with the 14th or 14th player taken, 15th overall, Sebastian Kosa, goaltender out of the WHL for the Edmonton Oil Kings. The dude is listed at six seven now, after growing an inch over the summer. Um, it's about 200 pounds. Plays very aggressive with his size and is very athletic, very quick. Uh, another huge swing at potential, considering the fact that you had Jesper Wallstead, who was also – he was projected for on a lot of lists to be higher than him. And you take the goalie who wasn't really projected to go first, first before the other goalie, which is just a testament to Eisenman's confidence in this kid. Um, I just want to think, what was your – were your thoughts now and what were your thoughts at the time? So at the time, I, I literally just said to myself, I'm like, oh, I guess we're, we're having fun, basically. No, but I right now, I'm very pleased with the decision to draft Kosa and trade up for him. I think he has major upside and the possibility of being a star in the league. And I think that's really good to have in your organization and you need players that have the possibility to boom and flourish like he does. And playing another year of juniors and then probably jumping into a role in the AHL. I think that's a good path for him to succeed. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting case because, like, his age right now, he's going to be 19 when he starts the uh, juniors again this year. But um, So he'll be able to jump into the Grand Rapids the next season, and it's going to be interesting how fast he'll be able to make the NHL. Because now goalies are usually, like, you want to take as much time as you can, like, you know, four or five years. But then you had, like, I know it's not a great example looking back now, but you have Carter Hart who made it at 20. I'm pretty sure right? he was 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have Carter Hart who made it at 20, but then like he did really well his first year, but then his, his no, it was his third year that he sucked, but his second year was okay. Um, then you, you run the risk of going too fast, but like, again, you don't really know. Like I don't really blame the flyers in the sense of Carter Hart, like rushing him. No, he was ready. I still he played. Think- Oh, he's gonna be a great goalie. Yeah, I think he. I think he is great. But again, you have, there's no way to know if you rushed him or not. If like he's playing well the first couple of years, there's no. You just need a better supporting staff, I think, around him, like uh, backup wise, and like a nice, experienced veteran to like really help him. I question the move to bring in Martin Jones for Carter Hart. That's not a great move, in my I opinion. Still, no, I don't think. But I, I mean, don't. he's also. But Martin Jones also knows about struggling, I guess. So you kind of look at it that way. Like he knows, like you know, he's been down to the dumps and stuff. So maybe he can help Carter Hart bring himself up. But again, we're talking about Sebastian Kosa. My bad. Two WHL guys though. Um, Sebastian Kosa. Biggest arguments that I've seen people have against him were they played on a stacked Edmonton Oil Kings team with Dylan Genther and like Jake neighbors being like the stars of the team. And they dominated that the one division they played in um, for the WHL bubble this year, they dominated that division. Wasn't even close. I think Sebastian Kosa went 17-1-1 with a 9.41 save percentage, which is absolutely bonkers. Like those are those are numbers that aren't going to last this year. Those are silly numbers. Those are yeah NHL 21 numbers, just ridiculous. Um, 
So hopefully he can get a, a year where he's going to be playing like 50 plus games and have around like a 920, 930 save percentage would be a really great year for him. Like win goalie of the year for that league. He's going to be starting goalie for the Canada, the, um, the world, Jun- uh, world junior championships for sure. Him and uh, I don't even remember who the other goalie was for Canada. They're, they're fighting for spots, but really promising for him. A lot of potential and the kids got a really good head on their shoulders. Yeah, I, everything I've heard about him is just his work ethic is all there. He's a very hard worker, and I don't know. He's just seems like a good kid. Yeah, you go back to um, when he was – during the interviews and stuff, like when he was first drafted, they talked about uh, the Fort McMurray fires in Alberta, which when he was like 12 or 13, there was a bunch of wildfires, and he had to evacuate his town. And just like the uh, the mindset he had of playing through that and everything was a lot of, you know, it's a lot of stuff to go through when you're that young. And then, um, yeah, it's it's nothing but good things. And the fact that he's a very vocal goalie makes it makes him very interesting. Like a lot of goalies aren't that like don't run their mouth that much. And he's likes to chirp. He, like he's very confident about himself. He said, "Yeah, I'm gonna be the best goalie in this class," which is which is for a goalie, I think it's a big thing. Eisman's done that twice now with Nadal, bringing in Nodalkovich for a goalie who's got all that confidence in the world. As I like that. Yeah, you need you, – I think for a goalie, it's, it's such a mind – you know, mind game position. That's not a really great way of phrasing it, but, like, it's a lot of mind games you have to play. Like, everyone's playing against you, and you really need to be solid in the head to get through a season at goal because there's a lot of pressure on you. You know, a lot, of, a lot of fans, I mean, obviously, usually it's not a goalie's fault that you lose the game, but a lot of fans are just simply, like, will dismiss it and be like, hey, that's a goalie's fault losing that game. But when you're, when you're solid like that mentally, it's really easy to bounce back from games like that and you go on and move forward and work harder. So it's really easy to see how a guy like Sebastian and, and Nadalkovic even, like, will really, you know, strive, th- strive, thrive. Thrive. Oh, my God. Wow. Good, good grammar. Strive to thrive. It's early. It's early. Um, yeah. So I, at the time, wasn't crazy about it. We traded up. We gave up a lot of value. But, again, he's your guy. You got to take him. So I agree. There, and then also, like, at that point, there wasn't a lot of potential picks left there, in my opinion, looking at the that, board. That could boom? Yeah, that could boom from that. Um, yeah, I sort of agree with you there. I, like I can't I really. Said, I think maybe like a a Stankoven maybe would have been a guy a, like. I feel like Chaz Lucius is a guy that could have. Oh, that could fly yeah, I probably roof. I could throw I'd throw Lucius in there too, just simply off his of scoring but ability. I think I would rather Kosa in this position because I don't know. I just think he has all the potential in the world. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of that pick right now. And then you go when you go to the second day, and now we're thinking like, yeah, you know, we'll probably pick a forward. You know, the Red Wings' biggest need right now is offense. So now we go, we go 30 – we trade up. We were at 38. We trade up at 36. And we take Shai Booyam from the USHL. So before we dive into Shai Booyam, uh, what are you thinking when they trade up here? Just want to get your thoughts, like, when they trade so up. So I was actually – it was funny. So I was, up, uh, I was up in northern New Hampshire at the time. So I was, like, kind of following it on Twitter. And I saw they traded up, and I'm like, that's interesting. I thought maybe we'd like, we're like, all right, we're, this is the time we're going to take Atu Ratu. Or like uh, someone like that, Stankoven, even. Like, they're like, they really valued a forward here. And they wanted to get him for sure. And then they pick Shibuyam, and I'm like, I haven't really heard of him. 
like when I was like, yeah. doing my list and stuff. But um, I, what I, I'm kind of the same way. I right when they traded up, I was like, please be uh, Ratu and uh, or I wanted Chibrikov. Those didn't work out too well. As well. Yeah, and then when the pick happened, I was kind of on your bow. I didn't know much about him. All I knew but was I in the U. He's interesting. He seems like he's like he was younger. Like he started the year at Shattuck playing uh, prep hockey. He put in – he was playing a lot. Then the season kind of got shut down in Shattuck from COVID. And then he was able to move on and start playing at Tri-City where he played um, – was it Tri-City he was playing? No, no, no. It was um, Sioux City. Yep. Sorry. My bad. He's playing for Sioux City, and he was playing kind of like third line, third pairing minutes, not playing that much. And then he eventually just kept working himself up, and he started getting power play time. And he ended up playing like by the end of the year, he was playing closer to top top pair of minutes. Um, I definitely think he's raw. He's similar to like the Wallinder pick, where the where the the fact is like he's kind of like sometimes can't be that great with the puck, but it's a really I think he's a solid skater for his size. He's six three, two ten. Um, just, yeah, I think he's really mobile. He's more offensive minded than he is defensive minded. What I can tell, I know from some of the highlights from the world junior showcase summer showcase from in Michigan after the draft, he had a couple of plays where he got burnt defensively, but he also making a lot happen in the D zone. Um, again, I would have picked, like, there's a couple forwards I would have rathered over him, but again, it's, uh, it's going to sound repetitive, but it's your, it's your guy. You traded up for him. You got to own that pick. Um, I definitely think he's a really good prospect. It's just the fact of I think we could have had a better forward there. Yeah, like hey, like our topic, boomer bust. He's exactly what he is. He could, yeah. if he flourishes, he could be a really high offensive defenseman. And uh, yeah, I definitely think I could see him not making the NHL on the same spectrum. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, at his best, I think he could be a solid three four guy. If he ends up hitting his full potential, which is, you know, obviously it's a very valuable position in defense. I could probably run a power play. Probably could run a power play, you're right. Um, so overall, like, I, I get the pick, but I probably would have made another pick there. And then um, we go to 70, which is another one where I was not crazy about considering who was taken right after him. And um, who's the Swedish kid? It was, um, it was an SHL guy that was taken right after him by St. Louis. Um. He's like a first round ranked guy. You know what I'm talking about or no? Oh, Robertson. Yeah, Simone Robinson was ta- Robertson was Robertson. taken right. Yeah, was taken right after him. Um, we had Carter Mazer from a local kid from uh, Jackson, Michigan. Um, was an overager, played for Tri City. That's why I got the mix up from with him and Shy. Um, both are committed to University of Denver as well. I forgot to add that. Um, but with with Carter. He's kind of a guy who his first, his draft eligible year, didn't have a great year. I think he had like six goals or something like that. And then last year he became captain of the team by, you know, it took the time to work hard and put on some pounds because he's kind of, he was kind of a scrawny kid. Um, and then really kind of, he was like a point per game in the USHL last year as a 19 year old. Um, he's interesting. He's more of like a defensive minded guy, but like also he's pretty used, like he kind of smart offensively as well. His favorite player growing up was uh, Darren Helm. So that that concerns me a little bit, but uh, I don't know. What, you, what were you thinking when that pick came through? Uh, I was not happy, very not happy, like super not happy. But uh, <laughs> I really wanted Ayrton Martino. 
he I'm went two, pick, two or three picks after. That you had guys like Simone Robertson, Anton Olsen still on the board. Yep. And Ayrton Martino were three guys that went right after him. But yeah, those, um, were, those were three guys I had ranked closer to like the first round. I think a couple of them are second rounders, but. Me too. I had Martino in the bottom of my first round. I think he is very high ceiling. But um, yeah, for sure. Mazer is uh, watching some of his highlights at the World Summer Showcase. Seems like he's kind of an energy ball. Yeah. Just a workhorse, and he'll kind of just do whatever you need him to do, which isn't a bad thing to have on your team. So I think it's not the worst pick. Just I feel like you could have got him in the fourth or fifth round. Yeah, I completely agree. But I think, like, uh, yeah, I interviewed well. I know Draper coached him as a, when he was, like, 10. So they're definitely some, you know, people know each other, which, you know, could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. But, again, I'm, I'm going to take this more of a positive. But I think it's more of a positive. Yeah, I guess you can kind of look at it like kind of like nepotism, but like I know they're not related, but it's kind of similar. You, you um, know, you know what you're getting essentially. Instead of like this kid, I don't know. You interview him and you don't really know anything about the kid, and they could yeah, for sure, that. for sure. Yeah, so I guess we probably should look at it more. Yeah, we'll move on to the next two picks. Who I think I honestly pick those as like the sneakiest picks in the draft, in my opinion. I know it's probably not like a. Uh, very, it's a weird thing to say about a fourth and fifth round pick to say like they're my like my favorite picks in the draft, but I really think they for like the value we've take we take there for the fourth and fifth round. Usually, like the percentage wise, like for those players becoming NHLers are less than ten percent, and I think you could bump those guys up to like closer to like thirty with uh, Red Savage and Liam Dower Nielsen, both centers, um, both both were captains for. Uh, Red Savage was a captain of the development team and was he was kind of close to a point per game, I think. Like, he was pretty close to it, but uh, more of you a defensive mean, You mean the U18 national team, right? Yeah, I said, I said development team. I'm talking about, like, U18 World Juniors. Was he oh, captain, captain of there. development team, too? Maybe not. I thought he was, but I know he was, he was captain of the World, uh, the World Junior U18. World Junior U18, right? yeah. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I read that wrong. Um but yeah, Red Savage, um, about the same. Like he's about six one, like one ninety, like a good size kid. Very good in his own end. The biggest question now, like where he was playing in the lineup for both of those, is like more of a third line role. But he was he had the strong defensive minutes. Was playing the big matchups. So the biggest question is, will he find his offensive game? Because defensively, it looks like he'll be able, to, like it'll be able to translate to the NHL as like a as a bottom six forward. But if he can find out his his. Um, his offensive game, he can be maybe he can project him more as a higher up in the lineup. So, the thing is with him, he hasn't been given a lot of opportunities to succeed as an offensive player, playing for a the national development program where you're pretty much cream of the crop of that age group. Right. So he's playing more of a third line role there, and he's doing all the the dirty stuff, penalty killing, and then in the corners all the time. So he's not and not really getting power play minutes where he's going to Miami of Ohio next year. Yeah, yeah his brother he, goes there too. Yep, he might get a bigger opportunity to showcase his more offensive play style because I do think he has the offensive talent. Yeah, I think so, hopefully. You know, he's going to have – like he's, he's a guy that's not going to be in the NHL for three, four years at best. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? He's probably going to play his three, four years at college. Then he's going to be probably two years in Grand Rapids. Like, he's not going to be making the team until he's like 23, 24, probably. Yeah. But um, it's definitely a pick for when we're good. And then we can use a player on the ELC to play bottom six minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing but positives there. Um, again, I think this is, I think it's a great pick. I was very happy. I saw a lot of people had him ranked like maybe even late second, early third. And he goes 114. So that's a big win for the Red Wings, in my opinion. And then you have a guy, who, the guy who went in the fifth round, first, first pick in the fifth round, um, Liam Dower Nielsen, another Frolunda guy. Best friends with Simon Edmondson, which is super cool that they get to be together, which is awesome. But um, captain of the Sweden team at the World Junior uh, Summer, yeah, World Junior U18. Um, another center, undersized, played in the junior level for Frolunda. I think he played U20s. I think U20 national, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, not a, he. He's an interesting guy. He's more of a playmaker than scorer. He's not very big, but. I think he could be a sneaky pick for like a second, third line center even. Yeah. I mean, I've heard nothing but good things about him on, especially in the offensive zone on the power play specifically. I've heard he's a magician on the power play. That's what I've heard as well. Throwing pucks and his smooth skating is not out of the picture either. He's just a very fluid skater. I haven't watched a whole lot of him, but from what I've heard, nothing but good things. Except yeah, again, a little, little lackluster in neutral zone to defensive zone a little bit, but that comes in time. And I feel even better about this. The European, the head of European scouting, the god, Hakan Anderson, who's famously, you know, took the swing on Datsuk, took the swing on Zetterberg. Probably, I don't know if he was, had to do with Gus Nyquist, but like you got Gus Nyquist's late round pick. You, he was banging the table for this guy. So that makes you feel yeah. that much better about it when you're head of European scouting who has found diamonds in the rough before is really pushing for this guy. Makes it a lot easier to swallow for this pick. I mean, fifth round picks are also like, there's such a shit show whether or not they'll even make the NHL or get picked. Like it's anyway, those, the consensus picks at this point are so all over the place. Like nobody really knows what will happen here. But it makes it that much better when, like, people are saying this is a great pick for Detroit and your head of European scouting is like, this is this is the guy I want. Like, this is the guy we need. Yeah, no, I agree. And Liam will probably be playing J20 again this year for Frolanda, I would assume, unless he transfers somewhere else. Or Yeah, I think but he'll probably play J20. He'll probably play J20. Maybe it's like a Niederbach situation last year where, like, he'll get loaned out to El El Svenskin, the second league in Sweden. Because, yeah, if you look at Frolanda's roster, they don't have room for him this year on the top team. He he wouldn't get any minutes. So, yeah, if he's going to go anywhere, it's probably going to be over to El Svenskin. I actually have more to talk about after we're finished up with the draft, more about Frolanda and their forward situation. But, um, yeah, I think it's a great pick. I was happy about that one when I read more on it. Um. Obviously, at this point, I'm not. I didn't watch like really the second day. I was kind of just following on Twitter because I was out of town. I watched but, um, the whole day. That's you, Brett. <laughs> I, I fell asleep during like the sixth round. <laughs> yeah, I mean, luckily the Eisenman luckily was like, you know what? I don't want a seventh round pick and traded it. But yeah, I know it was nice. So merc- mercifully, he ended it in the sixth round. But the last two picks are kind of like guys I don't really know too much about. 
so kind of lump them together. But we had at the the, the second fifth round pick, we had um, Oscar Plandowski from the Charlottetown um, Islanders from the QMJHL. I almost said the Charlotte Charlotte Checkers. Um, right-handed defenseman, which is always nice. Very smooth skating. Uh, his mom is actually a skating uh, coach. Yeah. Uh, actually trains um, Ethan Phillips, Ethan Phillips. Also, who's yeah. also a Red Wings prospect. Um, all I've heard is he's pretty solid his own end. The question is obviously his offensive ability to transition. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know too much about him. Otherwise, I like the pick. I don't know much about him either, but uh, I, I don't know. You, you don't hate to hear the word smooth skating. So defenseman, yeah, and he's also yeah. got, he's like six one, six two, I think. So good size on him. Yeah, there's really I'm not ass- much to. I'm assuming what? he he'll be back in the QMHL for Charlottetown this year. Is there any update on whether if he's yeah going somewhere I, I else think- to play? I think he's going to be there. I mean, I think he'll probably be part of the rookie tournament with Detroit that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So he'll probably be there. Um, Perfect. So we'll get to see more of him then. But yeah, I, I, he'll definitely be – I think he's going to spend two years in the queue. Yeah, I was wondering if the, if he signed somewhere else in the queue or if he's playing in Charlottetown next year. No, it's – once you're signing the queue, you kind of stay with that team. They just really, you don't really sign different contracts elsewhere. Gotcha. Unless, like, he gets traded for, like, a contender – Stuff like yeah. that, like like Joe Valeno got traded from uh, St. John's to um, Drummondville. Yep. Because when teams start rebuilding there, they just send all their players and they get you know futures picks and whatnot. Um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a good pick. Again, you know, fifth round, you don't know if they'll ever even make it, but you know, good swing at the dart, you know, good throw at the dartboard, see if it hits. Uh, and then our sixth round pick, which which was really interesting. Pasquale Zito, who played in the OHL, which the OHL didn't even have a season. The Ontario government didn't have games played for uh, with COVID. They didn't want people there, um, and the kids didn't. Get, a lot of kids didn't get to play. I mean, you had the top guys like Brant Clark, who and Mason McTavish that they got to go over to different European leagues because they were the top players and they were able to play. But you have guys like this who didn't have a great first year and they weren't able to have the opportunity to go on and play in other leagues. But uh, I think this one's a – it's a fun it's a fun pick. Like, you have guys from the, the 2020 draft. Um, who's the guy that Buffalo t- took at 8, eight 2020? Mm. Why am I blanking on his name? Oh, my gosh. Played for Ottawa. Jack Quinn. Yeah. Jack Quinn went from having 13 goals, I think, his first year in the OHL to having 50 the next year. Which – who's to say that couldn't have happened to Pasquale? I mean, odds are they probably wouldn't have, but like he could have popped yeah. off and had a really good second year for his draft year. And he could have went a lot higher. Also could have sucked and could have not gone at all. But again, I think it's just an interesting pick on, on a guy who didn't play. And I think it's a good thing. The Red Wings took that, that inefficiency of anyone not being able to see him. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I just, I think, in this sort of scenario, you have to really do your research about the player and as a person as a whole to make sure you know that they're training heavily and doing all the right things to keep them in hockey shape and make sure they're in their best shape as possible for the next year because otherwise, like, you're just wasting a pick. So if if the scouting staff really believes in this, this kid, I think it's a good run it up. No, and like you go to the, the post draft interviews with Eisman and Draper 
everyone he, they seem to be very pleased with the with the draft itself i mean obviously teams are going to be like we hated that draft yeah we suck of, <laughs> yeah, we, we suck it was terrible picks but like no i just you know it's added you know insurance to the fans saying like hey these are our guys and like hopefully they'll be able to wear the red wing wing their winged wheel one day um but again like people need to look at it. like a successful draft in the nhl is like if three of those players make the nhl that we just drafted great draft yeah, I agree. Well, that's what you're going for. You only need a couple, like a couple guys, are what makes a good draft because it's the odds. It's so hard to make the NHL. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good step for the rebuild. Um, yeah, I would have given it a B. I think the, the biggest, the kind of the middle there, the second and third round picks. I think we could have picked players with higher ceilings. But again, it's obviously I'm. I'm I'm a couch scout versus, you know, the guys who are actually out there watching players for a living where I'm only watching a couple games here and there. Um, it'll be fun to see their development this year and where they all play. Uh, obviously big years for shy and Carter in, and red savage, the guys in the NCAA to be able to play like full seasons and stuff like that. It'll be fun to watch, keep up and watch them play. I agree. Um, so I guess we'll kind of go into like the prospect pool as a whole now. Um, it's funny. So the athletic keep, they keep having stuff come out that like they're really red wing pertained. I don't think you're not subscribed to the athletics. So I kind of like, I'll tell you like what was going on with it. So Corey Pronman, who's, uh, one of their, like their top scouts for the athletic, which is a subscription based website for sports. Um, they released their, the ratings of like the uh, team's, uh, pools of players under the age of 23. So basically the 2017 draft and on grant. Yep. So Red Wings were ranked ninth in the whole NHL, which makes sense from like a ranking standpoint. Cause like a lot of our players haven't played games in the NHL yet. Yep. Um, and you look at like guys and you like factor in like Carolina was really high and they have Andre Svechnikov and now cock and yammy and stuff like that. Like guys who really put it up. Um, the team that was first was kind of interesting. Buffalo was first, which I thought was interesting. And they kind of like how he does it is like from like players potential, like star potential, like bubble star potential, like first line player, middle of the lineup player, and then protected to play games. You know what I mean? Yep. That's kind of how they do it. Um, I don't know. Elite player is the top one and then projected all-star. So we go to the, like the, the Red Wings, their top one was Mart Sider, who was projected like, possible all-star slash first-line player, which I think I'd probably just put him – I'm kind of splitting hairs, but you probably put him as the projected all-star, I think, at this point, potential-wise. I agree. And then um, Lucas Raymond was second with uh, first-line potential, which I probably would have put him bubble, but, again, splitting hairs. Um, a guy I found interesting on the list, and I'll talk to him – I'll talk about a little, little bit here, but uh, Elmer Soderblom was 10th with a projected middle-of-the-lineup player. I think it's really interesting. Like, I, I don't know. I don't see him being that high. Like, I think he's more of a, he might play games. Just simply from the fact that, like, he's a six-round pick, and it's just such a weird development for him. He's also 6'8", like, not a great skater. He's he's literally – he's just massive for a forward. And it's just crazy to think about him playing NHL games, like, being that big and him being able to move and stuff. But it's fun to think about. I just don't think – you know, being a middle, like a middle six guy. I don't know if that's realistic for him. 
Okay. So um, with Elmer, I, uh, like I said, I've watched Rolanda quite a bit. Um, he's kind of right now in a weird spot where he's typically the 13th forward. That's so, what I was going to talk about. That's what, I, that's what I meant to talk about for a lot of his forwards. Okay. So um, he is playing once in a while. And the other day in the Champions League, oh, my gosh, this is going to bug me. I forgot who they were playing. I think it was uh, – Was it Zurich? No, I didn't watch that. Zurich was this – last The last game, yeah. Yeah, he no, did play it that was game. last Saturday. Um, uh, I had watched – It might they had lost, but Elmer was playing that day. And – Every time he touched the ice, he was making something happen. And he's 6'8", yeah. and he's moving fast. He's always forechecking hard. And so he's, I, I don't he's know. He's a monster on the cycle. I, I love to watch him, and I think he has quite a bit of potential, but it's just not he's not getting the ice that he needs to flourish. As yeah, that article came ice. out saying – the article was coming out saying, like, how he's, like, willing to work with it and whatnot. But, like, I think there's some – like, it's kind of an interesting conversation topic saying, like, it's kind of risky. I don't know to like keep him as like a thirteenth, fourteenth forward. I'm interested to see if like maybe the Red Wings like step in and like, hey, like we'll sign you an entry level deal and we'll bring you over to the AHL. That'd be awesome. I I would be all for that. I do think he has potential. I do too. I, it's just kind of interesting, like where you step in, like as a team, like developing the player. Because like obviously for London, it's not their job to develop him. They're doing what's best for their team and to win. But there's got to be some trust between the Red Wings and Forlunda because the amount right. of players that we have in their system is crazy. No, I, compl- I completely agree. It's just it's just interesting to, like – I'm not saying I'm worried about it. He's also a six-round pick. Like, I'm not too worried about his development. No, six-round pick from 2019. Yeah, like, he's still so. pretty young. He's – what, he's probably 20 at this point, maybe 21. Yeah. Uh, he's 20. He's 20. Um. So you kind of just hope for the best, but also it'll be interesting to see if the Red Wings like step in and be like, "Hey, like we'll bring you over here, like assign you somewhere else." Yeah, um, yeah, could be something to look for. I, do, I do think it's, he'll probably most likely stay in Forlanda, but I just thought it was interesting that article came out that was transcribed from Swedish to English, detailing some of the stuff that he's thinking right now. Um, yeah, um, back to like the kind of the list the one i really disagreed with was philip zadina's ranking on there so he was ranked like the sixth best player in the red wings pool under the age of 23 so my question is who was above him besides it cider, was raymond? cider raymond kosa edvinson rasmussen okay um i can you can make an argument for the first four but not rasmussen yeah so they gave him they projected him to be a middle middle of the lineup player which i kind of like i kind of get a little bit but like also i i give him first line potential as well um he's kind of a player i think he'll end up being a second line player so i guess technically that is middle of the lineup player but like i think he's leaning more towards a top six guy than middle six yeah um again it's just it's more so like the national media like this guy like i feel like pronman more looks more so at players when they're prospects versus once they get to the nhl which is kind of like no fault of his own, but like also like it's a weird thing to have a, a, a article about when you don't watch all of the players afterwards. So it's interesting to evaluate because um, his biggest argument was like, well, he's not producing. Well, like, yeah, he's not, yeah, he's not producing, but he's also playing on a system which is a wannabe Islander system, but we're not good. Yeah. So it's hard to put up numbers when we're averaging like less, we're averaging like two goals a game. It's, it, there's not enough puck to go around at that point. So 
I think I think Zadina's this is his huge year. Um, this is a make or break it year for I think his potential. Ultimately what he becomes. But I think he'll pop off and can be a 40, 50 point guy this year. That'd be unbelievable and it'd be really nice to see. I think his game has taken so many steps in the defensive aspect that once he starts putting in some goals after post after post after post, uh, things will start clicking for him. Oh, he had a queer he's, low shooting, shooting percentage of 6%, I think it was. Yeah, he's too, well. too skilled and too smart to not be able to put in points. Yeah, I'm pretty confident he turns it around. I'm not worried about Zidina. Um, yeah, like so it was interesting. Like they were ranked ninth. I I don't necessarily disagree with it, considering like any of the players like really haven't really played that many games. Versus when you have like Vancouver the tie up, where they have Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson, stuff like that, like superstars in the league. Um, so it 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 was it was a fun read. I think it was interesting, but yeah, I'm excited for the future with our prospect pool. Our prospect pool as a whole, I would give I would rank it probably like an A minus. We have some good players that look like have like NHL potential, um, but then you gotta like look at what our biggest needs are. I think we have our defense pretty well settled on. Like we're pretty I, solid. I agree. I think we have two guys that are really like projected to be top pair guys, hopefully. And then especially Cider Edmondson's kind of a one where I could see him being like a two three guy, second or third defenseman. Um, then you have. You guys like Shaibuiam, Tumista, Walinder, Johansson, who are all really good shouts to be second pair guys. And it's just the defense, I feel really good about the defense. It's offensively, especially at center, where I'm really iffy on. Yeah, we, we don't have anything for center prospects besides the two picks this year, which are fourth and fifth round picks. Well, so. we have Valeno and Rass that are guys we have that are under the age of like 23, but. I guess if you true guys with potential to be top line players, we yeah we don't have we, we don't really have that in our pool at all anywhere in offense mm-hmm. besides Raymond, like Bergeron who we're really excited about. We released that clip on Twitter, excuse me, of Bergeron, of him being a guy we're really excited about with a lot of potential. I don't see him being anything more than a second line player at his best, which is no fault of his own. He's a second round pick, which is really good value. But I just don't – I think realistically we can't really expect more than that, that I get like a second-line guy that plays first. Second-line player, players. yep. He, he – I mean, he put up, what, 45 points in 49 games this year? Yeah, which assists. is like sixth best all-time for uh, SHL numbers for Yeah, forwards, and he's behind Which is behind like, like the Sedins. The Sedins, Zetterberg, Zetterberg, and Elias Pedersen. Pedersen, yep. So, again, I, I still I'm, – I'm a little skeptical that he'll be much more than that, so you can't really bank on that. You have Joe Valeno, who I think is probably best suited is going to be a third-line center, but probably can play second-line center on a weaker team. Um, Rasmussen, I think, is the third-line forward at best. So you're yeah. going to go down the rabbit hole like that. You have a bunch of like middle-six guys, like Niederbach will probably be more like a middle-six guy projected. Zadina is probably looking more like a second-line forward, but I think it's, he might be able to pull. It's just scary how many like centers we have that are probably projected to be a third-line center. I know. We only have, so many, we only have one third-line. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Um, but I guess, like, you can kind of look at it this year with the draft coming up when you project it out. And, like, probably where we'll finish, we'll probably finish in the top 10 picking again, realistically. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of centers this year. There's, like, I think out of the top 10 projected, there's, like, six or seven centers who are all probably top six centers. 
So you feel better about that. Like we can get it next year, but I still think we need that superstar forward. I think we're missing in our pool. Maybe Raymond can pull it off. I'm not, I don't, I think it's pretty unfair to ask of him. It's a lot of pressure, but I mean, that's also like depending, like kind of what Eisman seems to be building. It's like a team from the back up. So it could be like a, like a situation where we have really good defense and kind of just pretty good forwards. Like guys that are putting up like 60, 70 points. Yeah. Kind of like post, like kind of like the team we're looking at, like that's ah, a little bit different. I was going to, I was going to compare them to like the 08, 09 Red Wings. There's a lot of teams that do not have superstar talent up front and make it really far in the playoffs. So it, you look at like Vegas, they don't have superstar talent on forward. Mark Stone maybe, but I get it. I mean, that's what we're pretty much projecting Raymond to be is kind of like Mark Stone. And then I don't think Montreal really had star power up front this year, and they made it to the I'll finals. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. And then the Islanders, I guess, but you have Barzell. And Barzell. He's a star. I guess you kind of look at for the Red Wings anyway. Like, Raymond is our biggest hope for it. And I, I did I started comparing him to the 0809 Red Wings, like that, like that era of Red Wings, which is kind of unfair, but like also kind of makes sense. Because our defense was like our biggest strong point at that time, but I mean, also we had we had Zetterberg and and Dotsuk were putting up eighty points. We're like with the forward core right now. It's like we ran it, we ran it back. I think we could be a playoff team when everyone hits their potential, if they or hits their potential and stuff forward wise. But like, I don't think we'd get guys that are putting putting seventy points up every year. It'd be more so as like a team effort. Like our top six is putting up sixty points, like each player is stuff like that. Which is good, which is exciting because you have more spread the wealth and you're a more of a dangerous team in the playoffs, in my opinion. Versus where you have Toronto, where you have two guys that are putting up 100 points, but then you hit the rest of the lineup and they shut down two guys and they, they can't make it past the first round. Yeah, and uh, Edmonton. And Edmonton. Yeah, Edmonton especially. God, they were frustrating to watch the playoffs. I think Toronto actually has the talent. They have a legitimate top six where Edmonton has two players and Jesse Pugliarvi, who makes me laugh. Yeah, you can throw Nuge, I think, as a top six player in there yeah. for sure. Uh, Zach Hyman was a good pickup. So I think they do have a top six. It's just they like it's last not, year. It's just – it's for some reason, like, when they throw, like – they when they do dry side on McDavid from apart from each other, they're just not that as good. They're less scary. Ooh, I – don't agree with that at all. <laughs> See, I don't know. Like, but like when you have Drysidle and McDavid together, you're like, holy shit! Like, we need to do everything we can to stop this line. But then, like, yes, they go, they go but... apart. But like, it's kind of interesting. Like how, like, like Drysidle, they help each other just so much. Like you look at their split stats. Like it's just so different from when they're not playing together. Maybe, but dude, I don't know because they can both. They're both just fine without each other. They are both so good. I think they're really I, they good, but like I just think they need I need they need to figure out how to like support them those two together like without each other. You know what I mean? That's why they brought in Hyman. Well, so they, they can your... they can do it themselves, but I do agree they need to bring in a little bit more support. And I don't think Hyman's the answer completely. I think he's a good player. I, think I don't he's think a he's the complete answer though. He's I don't think he's a just... complete answer either. But he's he on. Like, obviously, they couldn't afford Landeskog. I think Landeskog would have been really awesome there if they could have got him out of Avalanche. But I don't think kinda like, filling, like, filling your line mates with McDavid needs to be like a, let's say, a Zach Hyman. I think you need more of a guy that can catch pucks and score pucks. 
or score goals. Because literally, watching Hyman in the playoffs this year was Matthews feeding him, Marner feeding him. And I'm not saying Marner was very good in the playoffs or Matthews was great either. But the amount of times Zach Hyman had his had the puck in uh, a very good area to put the puck in the back of the net, he did not capitalize. Yeah, that's true. And I'm saying McDavid is really good at making people look good with the puck or when he has the puck on his stick. So yeah, he needs a guy maybe, that maybe can that's more put of a... pucks in the net. Maybe then it, maybe a Hyman would be a better fit with a dry, dry side. side maybe I just think then you go Nuge, like skill you go guys. Nuge, Nuge and Pulleyari. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I can see I can see you reasoning that. I guess back on we should probably get back on track with the Red Wings, but uh, we're just missing that like another top six center because it's kind of unfair to like expect Valeno to fill in for that second line center or Larkin. Yeah, to I be don't a, expect him to. I don't think Larkin's an elite first line center. I think Larkin's a second line center. Uh, I think uh, he's a pretty co- uh, competent first line center. I think he's a one A one B. Is probably what we're going for. If we got a guy like that's equivalent to him, like I'm just throwing out a name. Like I know he's in the trade block, but we wouldn't trade for him. But like Thomas Hurdle, if we had, like a Thomas Hurdle quality quality player, that'd be Larkin, fabulous. I would love great that. stuff. Great stuff. I think we need another like. If we were able to do that, and then um, like draft another like a good like either winger or forward, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's a really Good top six projected, hopefully, if everyone hits potential-wise. So, I think pool-wise, we're looking really good in the NHL. Like, I think us, like, L.A. has a really good pool of prospects. New Jersey's done really well. I'm, I'm kind of including Jack Hughes into that, but, like, it's fair. They were, he was only drafted two years ago. Um, guys like the Rangers have a pretty good young core. There's a lot of exciting teams right now, and, like, Red Wings are definitely one of them. It's just going to take a couple of years for everyone to like fully hit their potential and yeah. start really producing the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, like, yeah, I'll write that in a like an A minus kind of. Um, who are your like? I I did ask like I was asking you it was a couple of days ago. Who'd you probably put like your? And we kind of like discussed a lot of the prospects, but I guess we can kind of go through like a top ten of prospects for you. Did you do a list um, for that at all or no? I actually did do a list. Okay. So I've got Cider being one. I, I won't get into the, the main ones that we've already uh, talked about this whole time. So you got Cider, Raymond, Edvinson, Kosa, Bergeron. And then I go with Albert Johansson next, who we really haven't talked about. But I am a huge fan of Albert Johansson. If you don't know yet, <laughs> he's six foot, I think six foot. He's a really he's shifty. On small, he's, he's on the smaller side. Very shifty. And uh, he's a left-handed defenseman. Plays for Far, Farisad? 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 I'm definitely butchering the sweet yeah, pronunciation we, of that. We are, we are off. Um, but he's playing on a stack team in the SHL. Last year, he had eight goals and 11 assists and. 40, 40 games, games 40 something, like something. Um, which is really good for a defenseman of that age. He was our yep. second round, one of our second round picks in the 2019. Our, our, our last second round pick in 2019. Yep. And 60th uh, overall. He's, uh, uh, he has all the talent in the world. Um, and I think he's one to look out for in the next two years. 
um, being he'll play in Farstead this year and probably in the minors next year, or depending how good of a season he has. I think there's a I, chance, depending how far they go in the. I think there's a chance depending how far they go in the playoffs, like like a fair shed. I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe if they, if they lose out early, maybe he comes over and signs. He I think he signed on his ELC already. But he's, he could come yeah, he's over. Loaned. Oh, he's loaned over there. Okay, so if he yeah. gets if the Reddings call him back, he could probably maybe play some games with the Griffins this year. If not, like maybe they try him up in the NHL for a couple games. Yeah, so we see where they're at. But mostly to see where they're at. I don't. I don't think he's NHL ready right now. But like mostly to see where he's at, like how far he is. Like I think he would spend a year in the NHL. Personally, I just he's such a silky smooth defenseman. I just I love watching him. He's probably one of my probably one of my favorite prospects to watch right now. I every game I watch, he's doing something flashy, and it's yeah. very exciting. He's an entertaining he's very, player. Very good. Like I, like I said last episode, like he could be a guy like it ends up quarterbacking our first power play, something like that. Just the way he's so shifty. Like, I don't think Mortsider is like, again, Mortsider is going to be our workhorse. I don't know if he's going to be our power play option. Yep. Our go to guy. But uh, what about the rest of your list? Um, I have Valeno after Johansson at seven. I have Vero at eight. Vero played for TPS in the Liga. He's also probably about six foot, six foot one, left handed defenseman. Yeah, he's about that. Um, he, um, he had a, what? He had a game seven game winning goal this year in the playoffs for TPS, or was it yeah, like game second six? round? Sec- it was like a second round. Second round. Um, he, he was drafted. He was drafted third round uh, in twenty twenty. Yep. He had. I think he had four points in thirteen playoff games this year for TPS. Um, yeah. He's he's on his ELC already. Uh, yeah, we signed him early. I think he's being loaned to TPS, but he could be playing. I thought I saw in- him on the roster for the development camp. I th- he is on the roster for the development camp. Does that mean he's playing over here this year or not? Because I don't. I don't know. His elite prospect says he's loaned to TPS this year. Maybe he's just doing like the, uh, just like the rookie camp and stuff, and then like he's gonna take off afterwards. I don't know. Yeah. But I did see him when they they released they released numbers for the the prospect tournament and stuff going on in Traverse City in two weeks, I think, two or three weeks. Um. And he was on it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I think Eisman said that he was going to go bring him back to Finland. Which is, I mean, which I think is, it's a fine move either way. If he plays in Grand Rapids, it'd be awesome. Like it's another player to look for. But I think yeah. he, we have quite a bit of defensemen down there that are like, kind of like need the time. Like McIsaac, Barton, um, New Power will be another guy to look for. Oh, Sobrango. <laughs> Sobrango. So you have a lot of guys that like that kind of need the ice time for young guys along with like veterans. So I think it might be the best move to bring him back to Finland. But again, if they, they think he'll play well and get the time, then go for it. Yeah, and then you got Theo Niederbach on my list, who, like we said, he's kind of a middle middle six center. We project he's him playing, as he's playing wing right now in the for for Lunda. But yeah, he's um, watching him. I've watched him quite a bit. He's a uh, really slick hands. Uh, sneaky, like shifty, good, good on his edges, and can get into tight spaces. Um, and very I, smart. He's very, very smart. smart. Yep, very smart. Um, yeah. So I, I like Theodore Niederbach. He's a good player. Um, after that, I have Tumisto. Played at Denver last year. So that'd be your t- your tenth. That's what I was asking. For that's my that's my tenth. Six foot five, right handed defenseman. Um, 
pretty good year at Denver last year in a shortened season a little bit, but yeah. yeah I think he had 11 points in 24 games. Yeah, he's a guy who's going to be more offensive. He's another guy that's a good shot at um, like running a power play, but biggest thing for him is decision-making. Kind of like a him and Wallinder are very similar, and that's and Chai Booyam. They're all kind of like the same player in a way. Um, we're with our at. Denver's going to be fun with Booyam and um, Tuamisto two, two there. And Carter Mazer, too. And Carter Mazer. A lot of Red Wings are – Red Wings are just – the the feeder teams for the Red Wings are Denver and for London. For London, yeah. No, uh, um, and I had an honorable mention of uh, Booyam, too. I okay. think he's got a lot of upside. And, yeah. And possibly even Wallinder. <laughs> he has a lot of upside, too, but hasn't really been proven at all. So, it's funny. So, our, our lists are basically the same besides – I don't have Vero in the top ten. Again, it's more of a preference thing. I, I I had him like I have him like down like at like fourteen, fifteen on my list. Which is nothing like nothing he did wrong. I just think I'm a higher on guys, other guys. But basically from one through seven we're the same. I have Niederbach at eight, Booyam at nine, Tuomisto at ten. For all the same okay. reasons. So we just big, I, Yeah, basically just flopped a couple guys, but and then I have like Wallinder at eleven and Soderbloom at twelve, but um Vero, I was really impressed with. Like, I was a guy. I'm like, he was playing men's league. I love when they like when guys teams get guys that are playing men's league hockey, like in like the later rounds, because I think that's a like, good, a good show. Like a, a good, I what I'm trying to say here, proves that like they can play at a higher level and like we're able to do it at a young age, and hopefully you can move them along their development a little quicker. Yeah, you opinion. hope it it translates over right. to the NHL because it's all it's all the same except the NHL's. A lot more skilled. Right. So it makes you feel a little bit better when they take like those guys, like versus where you're you're taking swings on guys like in leagues you never heard of really. Um so I'm I'm a fan of Vero. It's just like I don't think he ultimately like has a higher ceiling than those guys. But again, I don't know. I could be wrong. I hope I hope I'm wrong. Um but yeah, I think our top ten is pretty good. I think we have a lot of guys that have a really good shot to be NHLers in there, which is huge. Again, the biggest the biggest need moving forward moving forward for the Red Wings prospects is forwards. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not worried about our defense to be honest. Uh, we have a plethora of defense that are look to be pretty darn agreed. good prospects. Uh, it's just our up front. I agree completely. Um, now I guess we'll go into the off season, which kind of started around the draft anyway, with like moves for uh, trading for Nadalkovic. Um, the Letty trade was before that. Um, and then, so I kind of, I have the list here. So we, who we lost, we lost Helm, Glendening, Nielsen, Bernier, Svechnikov, Christian Juice, Philpola, Panic, and Bobby Ryan. I don't think I'm missing anyone there. Ah, uh, bro, man. Eh, whatever. Um, and then we brought in, we brought in Letty, Nadalkovic, Mitchell Stevens, Osterley, Suter, and Carter Rowney, which was a couple days ago since it was between our last recording and this recording. So, um, yeah, I think um, looking at the departures, I think it's going to be another year of uh, addition by subtraction where we lose guys like Hellman, Glendening, and Nielsen, and we fill in with guys like Stevens, Suter, and like Giovanni Smith maybe full-time, stuff like that. Like so, you're getting like you're just getting younger players who are kind of, you know, uh, unknowns, and you can kind of hope they do better 
and it's just more fun to watch. I think this team will be a lot more fun to watch. Um, I guess we'll start with the uh, the overall. Like, what would you give this off season grade wise? I'm talking oh, signings. Oh, you're I'm talking just like, talking signings. No trades. Yeah, free free agency. Free no 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 like a free like the trades as well. I'm not talking about basically everything but the draft. No, yeah, I got that. Um, probably like an A minus. I don't know. I thought we had a tremendous off season. Uh, to be honest, my I only wanted the Red Wings to sign one player once I saw the list of free agents, and that once Chicago did not qualify, um, Peace Shooter as a RFA. That's exactly who I wanted, and um, I'm like, we should jump on that. We don't have a second-line center, really, unless you want Valeno slotting in as a second-line center next year who might not even be ready to play in the NHL. Um, I completely agree. I, we both talked about that. We were like, we're, we're both very high on Pew Suter going in. He had a really good year for a first-year player. I mean, granted, he was 24 when he, when he started last year. He's 25 now, but um, it was about a half a point per game playing on a line with Patrick Kane, which helps, but I think he played really well. Like whenever I saw him play, I'm like, he's always doing stuff. He's a very good skater, um, good shooter. And again, the guy can, he'll probably be our second line center to start off the year anyway. Um, it doesn't hurt that he has experience with Bertuzzi and Fabry playing in Guelph together, all three of them. Absolutely. Uh, they played on the same line for one game. And I think, uh, did you, have you watched the highlights of that game ever? Yeah, so they had um, – I think all of them Bert, had – Burt had seven points, I think, or seven. And the other two, yeah, and the other two had five and or six points, I think, each. Uh, Fabry had six, and I think Puse had five. Five. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was a dominating <laughs> game. It was against London, I think. Whatever. It was, a, it was, it like. was a funny one. Unbelievable. But, yeah. No, I definitely think uh, – it's definitely positives going in with guys you know and, like, you have – a little bit of chemistry going back with two juniors and stuff and knowing each other and possible line mates, you know, you never know how they'll run the top six, but definitely like a low risk contract for a young guy that could end up being better than what he is right now. I'm more leaning towards, he's probably like a middle six guy, like probably like on a good team. He's like a third line player, which I'm but totally okay with either. Absolutely. Way. Well, it's better than filling in like Valtteri Filippo is like your, your center there. Yeah, a lot better. Can you make less noise? That'd be, that'd be awesome. Did I hit my elbow? You smash your elbow on the on the table. I didn't even feel it. <laughs> Heart of a champion. Yeah, it's gonna. We play. Th- we play through the injuries here. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I was a. I was a big fan of that signing. Like, I we'll talk about free agency first, I guess. But uh, we have, we have, we also brought in uh, Jordan Osterley, and um, what was the other guy? Was was that it? Carterani just now. Well, Carter Rowney just now. I was thinking if we were missing someone else, like, playing-wise. I don't think so. I guess we'll touch on Oysterly first. Um, you keep thinking. I, I, don't, I don't think we brought anything else forward-wise. Like, we kind of just, like, made trades and stuff, and that's, like, kind of the other roster yeah. spots are going to be. Um, but, yeah, um, Jordan Oysterly, uh, Michigan guy, 29 years old, left-handed defenseman, can play both sides. Spent the last couple of years in Arizona where he was playing pretty big minutes. Last year kind of got ruined because Arizona was kind of just a mess. So he didn't play that well. We signed him two-year deal for worth $1.3 million each year. Um, played with Danny DeKaiser and Luke Witkowski, who was signed to an age, like a two-way deal with the team. I don't know. I like it. He's very mobile. Um, a guy will probably be in and out of the lineup a little bit. 
fighting with like for that sixth spot with like probably Danny DeKaiser and like Troy Stetcher, et cetera. Like all kind of fighting for a spot there. Um, I don't think it's anything but positives. It's interesting that I gave him a two year deal. I think it's kind of Danny DeKaiser replacement after this year. So if that makes sense. If that makes yeah. sense to you. I I like the signing just because um I don't know, it's more personality. Uh he seems like a great guy. Um, yeah, he was hanging out with uh, Larkin, Fabry, and Rass at the, the Lions, Lions practice. practice yeah. um, I think it's awesome. He was so excited to come to Detroit. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about the guy. Uh, when he was in Arizona, when um, the, 2020, or the 2020 playoffs, wow, I cannot talk. Um, the 2020 playoffs in the bubble, Arizona made the bubble. And right. I think he was logging the most ice time for Arizona as a defenseman there. I think or, he spent like 20 minutes. He was like playing yeah. 20 minutes, yeah. Um, and I think this year he kind of just had a down year. I know something personal happened to him. What was that? There. I think someone passed away. Yeah, was it like his dad or something, I think? I think so. And then, so he kind of had a down year, understandably. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, it's that's a lot of stuff to go through, like going like through a year and whatnot, especially not seeing anyone like family-wise with – the NHL restrictions when it came to COVID, like it's probably very hard on him. So it's really not not really folding him. And Arizona decided to let him go. I really like the signing. I think you need usable guys that can come in and out of the lineup. And like, not like, no offense to Alex Biega, he did fine. Like he was, but he's again, he's more suited as like an eighth or ninth guy Biega versus where like Osterley is a good like on any team he could be a sixth defenseman. Yeah. In the NHL. Uh, yeah. And now we have depth there. The the unfortunate thing with the Red Wings, like we have depth, but like all of our players are like fourth, fifth, and sixth guys in the defense right now. Yeah, I, I maybe agree. maybe I, not Nick Let maybe not Nick Letty right now. And Heronic. Um Yeah, yeah. I think Hironic ideally, ideally, like most of our players are second. Yeah, like right now we'd use like on good teams, like most of our players would be second and third pairing guys. We don't have a true first pair right now. No. And I think so, Cider will be a true first pair halfway yeah, through the season, <laughs> with, if with not player, right away. I agree. I think I think Cider will eventually become it, but whatever. I'm going strictly right now. And with guys that are like six defensemen and stuff, it's really hard. Like the reason they're six defensemen is because they're not like consistently like they they have flaws. And with that, like you need to ride the hot hands and stuff. And with the team that's kind of like coming out of the rebuilding phase, it's really good to have guys competing for that last spot. And you can have guys like Jordan Osterley fighting for that spot to keep Danny DeKaiser honest. And you can take Danny DeKaiser out of the lineup and stuff. I know they did with DeKaiser last year. I was more so injury-based. But if he's not playing well, we can take him out and you have a good replacement coming in. Um, Yeah. I feel I saw a lot of Danny DeKaiser not playing well in the past couple of years. So it's nice to have that option to take him out of the lineup. In in DeKaiser's defense, he was pretty good like the last like five games of the year. That's five games. I agree it's five games, but like it's it's a positive sign going forward for him. I root for Danny Kaiser. I think he's a good guy. I know you're laughing now, but I think he's a good guy and like it's easy to root for him, local kid. But like it's really it's really easy to be like your contract sucks, you suck. It's not yeah. his fault. He got, it's not his fault. It's not his fault he signed that contract. Like he got that contract. No, for sure. I'm not saying that. I just like um, if if someone's slamming thirty million down in, in front of your face, you're gonna be like, uh yeah, I'll do that right now. Yeah. So I, I think just, it's I, it's unfair he hasn't to like been good. He hasn't been good, but it's unfair to like blame him for the contract. So like I kinda like I or I kind of I root for Danny, but like and hopefully he turns it around. But again, I think it's really good insurance to have 
for guys like you know if Mark Stahl is old, you know, like he could get hurt. Danny Kaiser's got a lot of a lot of injury history. It's good to have guys that can come in and like play well versus you're throwing like uh, Dan Renuff coming up and filling up for time. You know what I mean? Hey, you're talking about ex Colorado Avalanche Dan Renuff. I guess it should be said something. If Dan Renuff can come play for the Colorado Avalanche, then maybe we yeah, should, he's we should a, be too he's like a seventh, seventh or eighth defenseman there. Yeah, more so for their cap, their salary cap reasons. But I, I do think Dan Renuff, like he's fine. But again, good. I'm Jordan Osterley's better. You're missing. Yeah. My, we're missing our point. I think Jordan Osterley's a good fill in, and I'm, I'm happy to have him in the Red Wing. I do too, and yeah. I guess we'll go to the most recent one, uh, Carter Rowney, uh, one year. 825k literally no risk here i saw a lot of red wing fans not being too happy about this on twitter i think this is a low risk move and if anyone argue like actually i'll I'll get your opinion first before i go into mine but i think it's a low risk no harm Um, no foul he's a good defensive forward i i don't know why people be mad over this i there's no reason to he's not gonna hurt you he's more along the lines the way i see it is him, Stevens, and Valeno are kind of all fighting for a spot. I don't think they would put Valeno on a fourth line position, but I think if Valeno makes the team, he's going to be playing third line. Or... Yeah, I go to. So I was a little hard. I was a little harsh on Jay Fresh, the last the last episode. Like I do like I do think his graphs are kind of useful, but like again, when it's your only personality trade on Twitter, it's a little hard to root for you. But he had he, so his chart came up with Carterowney and like it's exactly what you expect like not great offensively but very reasonably like a good fourth line center defensively. He's playing tough minutes in Anaheim. He played a lot more than he should have been on a bad team in Anaheim like the Red Wings. But uh, I think it's nothing but like it's a good thing. Again, um, my opinion is it's he's, I agree with you. He's fighting with Stevens and Valeno for a roster spot and Giovanni Smith probably. Um, but again, if you lose your spot out to Carterowney, you don't deserve to be in the NHL. He's not Great. that good, and I don't like think a, Stevens will ultimately lose his spot. I think that's no, he's his, a, he's a guy that's gonna be on the roster, but like if he's not playing every night, if you lose your spot to him, then yeah, you're not ready. I'm sorry, like this is this is what it is. It's, an, it's good insurance for a guy that can play in the NHL, and it's Valeno. Like we're not gonna rush. We're not, I I think we like I think Valeno's ready, and I think honestly, we'll do our roster predictions um, in a couple days here, like our next episode. Like we'll go more in, in depth of who will be on the team and what like lines will, could look like and stuff like that. But um, again, like I think it's a low risk move that really ins- like helps ensure our forward core. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then we kind of have like uh, we'll go into the trades. We had um, two trades, one right before the expansion draft. Uh, Nick Letty comes over from the Islanders for the. Um, the Red Wings traded a second round pick and retained half of Richard Panic's salary and sent that over for Nick Letty. Um, at first, wasn't crazy about the trade. I still not like super psyched about it. I like Nick Letty. I think he's very useful, like second pairing defenseman. Like he'll probably be first pairing here. He played big minutes for the Islanders. He played like 19, 20 minutes. I talked to a couple Islanders fans because I'm buddies with a couple of them. Like I played for in juniors. Um, their biggest issues with Nick Letty, they liked him in the regular season, but the, in, in the playoffs, he kind of like wasn't great defensively. He kind of was, which is, which is fine. He was, he's an offensive defenseman, which is the perfect pairing for, you look at Moritz Sider for, get Eric Jelena and Rogla, who was kind of the guy who took the risks offensively and Moritz Sider covered up and was very responsible. And he's a good veteran guy. I think, yeah, I think it's a guy who has a winning culture 
attitude into the locker room. And again, like he wasn't terrible in the playoffs. He just wasn't great comparatively to other players. I don't know. I looking back on it, it's, it's fine. It's a player that's very usable. And like, again, like we can flip him at the deadline. I know we shouldn't be looking at it like that, but like we can and recoup assets for what we gave up for him. What do you think? So I'm sort of the same way. I wasn't happy about it at first, to be quite frank with you. I liked the player, didn't like the trade of the second round pick, but then I looked more into it. What are you doing with all these picks? You can't sign everyone to an ELC. <laughs> You're going to run out of cap space and you can't sign that many ELCs. And they all these good players on ELCs are going to end at the same time. Right. Let's say you sign four players from this year. All four end up being really good. I'm not saying that'll happen, but if they all end up being really good, you have to pay them all, what, $6 million? Yeah, you're looking at it like you're all expiring at the same time and stuff like that. And, you you know, it's obviously like it's kind of unavoidable, but you need to like – we have so many picks at this point. Our prospect pool is so big. You need to start moving for help now in NHL, and we did that. We did, we did that with Nick Letty. And I think, I think, honestly, I think it's, I, it's, it's fine. He's a good player. And I think we gave up, like, when you feel like this about a trade, you mean it's fair value. Yeah. And I, obviously, like, with the Red Wings, we've kind of been spoiled with trades like Fabry for Jacob Delarose. And um, you know, obviously, like, the deadline trade for Verona for Mantha and plus a first and a second. And then the next trade we'll get into. But, like, we've kind of been spoiled a little bit. Like, we, Eisman's a very good general manager trade-wise, and he gets what he wants. So yeah. we've been, and you realize we negotiated with probably like the scariest GM in the NHL in Lou Lamorello. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it's two guys who probably just stared at each other at the, at the table, like over zoom until one of them blinked and they both didn't blink. And then they just decided, Hey, it was fair value. We'll, we'll settle at that. So I, I see where we needed the player and I, I respect the trade and I, I get it. I'm just not completely psyched about it value-wise because we, looking on it now, they ended up picking Atu Ratu, who scares the scares the shit out of me that he's going to come back and haunt us. And he's going to be the uh, the Cali Arncroak who, like, whenever he scores against the Red Wings, he's like, oh, yeah, we traded that player. Um, also, with the Letty thing, I, I just think having Letty or having a guy that can play first power play next year competently, and it's going to help our young players – up front and on the back end learned more about power play because Letty is good at good on power play. Um, and also the possibility of him being paired with Cider next year. I think Iserman wanted to get Cider a pretty good left-handed defenseman to be paired with. And so I think that's a possibility that they're paired together next year. Cause I don't think you want Cider being paired with a guy like DeKaiser, to be honest. No. No. Again, we'll go into like more like the roster like breakdowns like next episode. But um yeah, I think ultimately it gives you a lot of options for Letty to play with and he can mentor like he's a good mentor versus like we have Mark Stahl and Dan DeKaiser who are like good veterans, but like they don't have like the experience of being good. It's a little easier to listen to a guy like Nick Letty who is like a he has been like a top four defenseman in his whole career. He's won Stanley Cups. One, he won yeah, he won one Stanley Cup. Um Yeah, and he played in two conference finals the past two years, but um, then we go to the next trade, Alex Nadalkovich for a third-round pick. Really interesting. Carolina had an interesting offseason with guys not wanting to pay, like not wanting to pay guys, bringing in guys who were questionable. And they ended up think, saying that Nadalkovich isn't worth $3 bucks, 
Red Wings needed a goalie. I thought it was they were bringing back John Bernier, who was very good for us. I'm a very big fan of Jonathan Bernier. Oh, we also traded Bernier's rights in the trade. I should add that. Didn't, they didn't sign Bernier, but they traded his rights and they tried to negotiate with him. But obviously Bernier wanted more money, and it's fine. Um, but, yeah, I thought Bernier was going to be the guy. He had a really good year with Grice. But now we bring in Nadalkovich, who's a really young player, and ended up could, he could end up being a goalie for us for six, seven years in the future. Him and him and eventually Kosa will be a, like a tandem, which would be unbelievable. But no, he had a really good rookie season. I think he's technically still eligible to be a rookie next year because he didn't play that as many games. Yep, he is. Uh, he didn't play enough regular season games. Right. So I think he technically is still up for the Calder. I don't know how that'll work though, considering he was runner up. So I don't know if they let him go again. I don't know how that works. But I, he's still rookie technically. Um. Yeah, he's, he had a very good year. He, he was also behind a really good team. But it's going to be a really big test for him to be a, a starting, win a starting goalie job with Thomas Grice. I think it'll be more of a tandem. It'll end up being more of a tandem. Uh, yes, and um, so going from Carolina to Detroit is going to be a big change for him. He I was agree. used to being um, better up front and not as many shots. So I think it's going to be a big test for him to see how he does under more shots. Yeah, you look at, like, Thomas Grice, he struggled big time when he first came over. But then when he came in afterwards, holy shit, was he – He was really good. He was really good. He He was really well. The last month, I think he was, like, one of the best goalies in the league. I think you look at save percentage and, like, shots against and expected goals against, he was, like, top three goalies as a 35-year-old, which is kind of of fun to think about. I don't know. I, I like the tandem. I think this is a probably, like, a top 15 goaltending tandem in the NHL now. I would say so. If not, I'd be doing a little bit better. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I love exciting. Bryce, and I think Nadelkovich has a lot of potential to keep succeeding. Mm-hmm. And, and again, when you when you take the swing on Kosa, there's no guarantee that Kosa becomes an NHL goalie. When you have a guy like Nadelkovich who looks like he's going to be an NHL starter, you have insurance there. And best case scenario, you have Kosa and Nadelkovich that are both become like very good starters, and you could trade one and get assets big time. Because yeah. goalies are always like teams always like sometimes value less goalies in like the draft, and you can end up trading for like a young like people trading for a young goalie or like probably would trade Didalkovich if it came up to it for starting goalie. It's a first round pick. Yeah. So we, if you look at it value wise, you gave up a third and you get a first back. If we look at it value wise in that sense, you take that deal any day of the week. I'm excited about Didalkovich to have a younger goalie and like kind of like a. We haven't had this feeling since Mrazek. Yeah, and that worked out well. <laughs> no, you can argue that Mrazek – dude, when Mrazek was on, he was on. He was like a very good goalie his first couple of years in the NHL. His last two, kind of he fell off, and that's why we ended up trading him. But, again, I think he's a, a very – I think it's a decent comparison. I think Mrazek's still a good goalie at this point. They were actually tandem last year, but – I'm excited about Nadalkovich. I think this is a great trade. Yep, me too. And then, like, the low-key trade that we made with Tampa was with, for Mitchell Stevens for a six-round pick. Guy who never really got in the NHL that much on a loaded team. He made the team out of camp last year, but I'm pretty sure he got injured. So here's what had happened was he was supposed to fill up, or play fourth-line center this past year, but – with his injury, Ross Colton took over, and then Ross Colton kind of boomed, and they weren't going to replace Ross Colton with Mitchell Stevens after 
Colton was right. having such a good year. Right. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see how he can win a spot. Like, obviously, he's going to have way more of a chance to win a spot here in Detroit, considering there's not as good of players. Like, honestly, I think he's been more like penciled in as a bottom six player. But again, he could win a spot and like start being a Ross Colton where he can play in the higher, higher in the lineup when injury comes to shove. And he's very skilled. Like he had good numbers in junior. Again, it's it's another good swing from Eisman for a guy he drafted and like would know a lot about. And I feel good about it. You know? No, I do too. I, I really like that trade. And I think Stevens has And a right handed shot. Right handed shot as well, which is yeah, we, we don't have, have no any right handed forwards. Um we had a lot of RFA signings uh, recently as well this offseason. We had uh, Verona, Bertuzzi, uh, Rasmussen, Hronik, and we still have Smith we're waiting on. We also re-signed Stalin, Gagne as UFAs. I guess we'll go through those quick. Like, how do you feel about um, – well, I guess we'll start with, like, Verona, Bertuzzi. I thought both of them were good value signings. I don't – I don't know. The Bertuzzi one, I, I don't know. I'm a huge Bertuzzi fan, so – but – I understand where they don't want to sign him like long term because you want to see where um, where he's at right now with his back surgery, so it's kind of a risk. So I, I do like the the short term signing for him. Um, it's what was needed, and I think for him it gives him an opportunity to boom this year and then show what he's actually worth and that he can still play. Uh, and then, like I said, Verano was a good signing. Yep. Um... So both of those guys are interesting because they're a risk in both the sense of Verona played 11 games and for on a new team and like you don't know how, how it's going to translate next year. And you have Bertuzzi who was injured most of the year and you don't know how he's going to come back from back surgery. So Eisman sticks with the, the, low, the low risk contracts for the three-year deals and uh, or two-year deal for Bertuzzi, but like the low-term deals and pay them what they're worth and then like they can negotiate when they become UFAs and get a better yeah. term or whatnot. Uh, I'm also like Bertuzzi's also probably my favorite player on the team right now. Um, I hope they both strive, but like again, you can't take that risk to like, sign them long term. Strive? Then... What are they striving oh, for? Thrive. I keep saying, I keep messing that up, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> I keep messing that up. Um, yeah, thrive under the system with Tange. Hopefully, helps them push their offensive game. And we can, you know, hopefully they can pot 50, 60 points both. Yeah, and have that'd be good awesome. productive years. Um, especially Verona, I think he could pop off. And kind of like Stahl and Gagne, how my view is, is like they're good veteran guys, and they, they both really seem to like the Red Wings, and the team really seem to like them. That's kind of yeah. all I really have an opinion on it. I'm more of a Sam Gagne fan than Mark Stahl. Like, I think Sam Gagne's a great locker room guy, and I think he's a good fourth line. I think he's really good defensively, to be honest. Like, I think he's going to be a good penalty killer this coming year. I think so, too. He really took steps – in uh, penalty killing, like, last year, because he never really was a penalty killer. No, early in his career, like, he was the power play guy. He was supposed to be, like, the star of Edmonton. He was a high draft pick. He's fifth or sixth overall, I think. He had an eight-point um, game in Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Hat-trick this year, too. You know, offensive superstar. No, but, like, uh, I think he's a guy you can really root for. Um, he really – he had a couple of interviews. He was discussing, like, changing his game to become more of a defensive guy to you know, really keep longevity in the NHL. Because there was a time – couple years ago where he was bouncing around between the AHL and the NHL because he couldn't keep a spot and he was good because he was more offensive minded. Yeah. He really, he really dug down, changed his game. And, and now he's getting contracts in the NHL. And like, he's a guy who, as long as we're in this point or NHL, even, even after the fact, like if he's still useful, like in his mid thirties, like you can keep bringing him back as a fourth line guy to be a 13th forward, you know, 
when we're more cap when we're more cap strapped like as a competitive team and he could be only making like 800k you know what i mean kind of like how the leafs do with jason spezza obviously yeah. jason spezza obviously jason spezza is better and good offensively but again like he's their you know he's their guy who's a good veteran guy's been there and when you're competitive you kind of need those guys throughout the lineup like as much fun as we talk about having all these kids we're also be bringing in some veteran guys like to fill out the team that can be another option, like in the, in the top six and stuff. You you get a guy who can sign who's like 28, 29. Guy who's been there, he gets an option too, like to fill out spots. You know what I mean? No, for sure. Because you can't have all guys that are below 26 and expect to be good. That's just unfair. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm a fan of those signings. Mark Stahl gets a no-trade clause, but I mean, also he's not going to recoup a lot of trade value. No, so the odds, yeah. the odds of him like actually getting like interest in the trade deadline is is interesting. You know, like I don't think it's gonna happen, and he gets to stay with his family, which is good. Good move by Steve to bring in a culture, like keep the keep the guy who's really good in the locker room and keep him happy with his family. Bring him in and enjoy yep. the trip. Um, and then recently we had well we had Rasmussen at the beginning of the summer. I think that was actually the first move we even had. He signed in like as soon as the season ended. Signed a three-year deal for a little less than a million and a half. Uh, I like the I like the deal. Me too. I thought Rasmussen took um, huge steps last year in his game. Um, he was showing more confidence at the puck, and he was really good in the D zone. Um, no, I I like it a lot, and I think he's one to watch out for in the next couple of years to see if he keeps taking steps. I, ultimately, I would like him to be more of an asset in front of the net on the power play. But we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he'll. That's the biggest key for if Tangay can like, because he's obviously in the power play. He'll be. Able, I don't know if he'll be second or I think he might be second, second power play in it with Bertuzzi being that front guy in the first one. Probably. Again, we can look at the more of the matchups next episode, but because um, we're kind of running out of time here, so we'll probably move. Well, well, I know honestly we'll probably move the NHL talk like around the league to next episode and kind of recap that with Andy. Hopefully, if you can make it. Perfect. Uh, yeah, so we'll finish off with like the rest of the Red Wing stuff. But uh, anyway, back to Rasmussen. I think he's a guy who under Tangay can really strive or kind of you know fail. Strive. I keep. Did I say that again? Yep. Oh my God. Thrive. <laughs> Thrive. Um, yeah, it's a it's a big year for him to see if he can pull off like his junior numbers where he was just dominating power plays. Ultimately, I don't see him being much more than like a third line player. But like, if he could put up 35, 40 points massive yeah agreed huge w oh and also another guy i forgot it oh, well as well on this list is ernie so i guess we'll go to ernie next before i for heronic yeah adam ernie two years 2.1 million i like the deal um yeah me too uh maybe adam a little ernie bit was... more money maybe a little bit more money more money than i was expecting adam ernie was kind of a meme last year to the both of us uh we'd always joke about him as like at the start of the year and then it got to the point where it was kind of serious, where he's like, we're like, wow. Yeah, it stopped, it stopped, it stopped kind of being funny as a meme. You're like, oh, yeah, he's actually being good. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, I just remember he, he does everything. I went to oh, the game against Dallas where Bernier stopped 50-some-odd shots. 2-1 two one, two one loss. 2-1 loss. Bernier <laughs> had about 50-some-odd shots. Nothing was going for the Red Wings that night. Uh Everyone looked lackluster, and then Adam Ernie's out there just throwing every hit you can see, trying to get things going. No, I I really like Ernie. Um, like I said, that game I 
you see it in person. Ernie's just out there giving it, and I love that about him. And I think he has – he's got a goal-scoring touch we found out last year. Yeah, I think he's a guy that needs uh, – he'll be competing for, like, a, a third-line spot, I think. Yeah. Um, with, like, Nemesnikov will be a guy he's competing with, Valeno and stuff like that, Gagne even, to see who can play, like, higher up in the top six. Also yeah, for I can, play, Also for I can, a power play spot. I can confidently say that. I think he's quite a bit better than Nemestikov, but each have Vlad, their Yeah, Vlad had, a, Vlad had a rough year, um, but I think he'll be better this year. I think I, I like Vlad. But, uh, yeah, Gon, or Kanye. Ernie, Ernie will have – he's going to have to prove a lot this year to prove he's worth that contract and show that he can actually keep up the scoring touch. I yeah. think he could, I think he could pop, pot 15, and we'd, I'd be very happy. Me too. Especially for I'd a third be, line guy. Yeah, you're you're laughing. Static. Yeah, you're yeah, and he's good defensively too. Honestly, I'm yeah, good I think it's good business right there. Um and then yeah, yesterday, right before yeah, like yesterday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, um Horonic signed re signed for uh four point four million across for three years. Um about where we expected. I know I know I kinda like brought up the idea last episode that maybe if you look at a longer term deal for Horonic, just because Eisman's just mentioned him so much in part of the core, but I like it. Um, it gets him a chance to, he didn't have a great year last year, especially the beginning of the year, but he kind of brought it back together in at the end of last year. But his biggest issue right now, like his power play play was pretty bad. Um, he was taking really weird shots in the point and stuff. And he's kind of giving up bad, bad plays on defensively, but he's also playing really hard matchups as a first, he was playing first line minutes or first, first, deep minutes when he shouldn't be at least be a third D you know what I mean on a good team he'd be a third defense so yeah uh where I'm at with Ronick, I really like the deal I do think it's good value for a good price um I think his struggles last year are not all his fault completely no I'm not saying coaching that staff um on the power play they have him playing top of the blue line or like right on the blue line you need to he's sink him top, down he's playing top of the umbrella Yes, you need to sink him down. You have to get tighter. And I don't understand where that's stemming from. Like if he's he's got the Nicholas Cronwall effect where that's what he did at the end of his career. He just sat at the at the top. And I don't know. He's he's got he's got a lot of talent. Um I think he, this is a big year for yeah, him. I think so too. So it's gonna really help bring in Letty and like hopefully more Cider takes the steps that he can. Yeah. So it, so instead of Heronic playing twenty three, twenty four minutes a night, you'll you'll sink Letty eat twenty. You can sing him down to like twenty twenty one, and hopefully his play increases with uh, better, you know, help around him. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I was I was good. With, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that signing. I think it's probably less risk than what I was suggesting. Eisman doesn't like risk, but again, he becomes the third player to sign past like three years. Yeah. Him, Verona, and Rasmussen. So really interesting moving forward how the flexibility will work with the team, but. Overall, yeah, I give the yeah offseason A minus. Uh, we got our business done. We're still waiting on Giovanni Smith, who I think is interesting. I'm surprised that one wasn't one of the first ones. I don't know if Iceman's offering him like a two way deal or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. So that's one to watch. I think uh, hey, he's an interesting case. Um, we'll get more into that, like with the roster projections and stuff next episode, and we'll uh, we'll touch on. There's a lot of big signings, but we'll touch on those like at the beginning of the episode. Next one, when hopefully Andy's around, we can really have a good conversation about a lot of the deals around the league. Um, Yeah, but I think this will wrap up this episode.
of the production line podcast um thank you thank you everyone for listening and uh if you haven't already please follow us on spotify twitter i'm still working on i'm still working on posting it to apple Podcasts. there's a hold up hopefully it'll be up maybe next week and you can subscribe to us there and yeah we really appreciate any feedback and uh the support so uh thank you again for listening